0: Thank you Pastor Kaiki. good morning church. you know it's good to be with you this morning for my family. It's been sickness has been coming through our house for the better part of a month, uh, likewise with Kaiki and Matt's family as well so pray for your elders uh, that we would be able to get over this sickness, but tis the season, right um, But it's wonderful to be with you if you're new here for the, here for the first time, I just want to say welcome and you are very much welcomed here. And I hope that you find, can get connected and find a home here. And if uh, anybody is interested in receiving prayer, we do have connection cards in the back on the welcome desk. Um, please fill that out. We'd love to be praying for you. Uh, Matt, Kaiki, myself, and Brian pray for all of you regularly. And so please, if you want prayer, let us know and fill that out. We'd be glad to pray for you. Well, church, we've been going through uh, Advent series these last few weeks. It's been a wonderful time looking at Emmanuel, which by this point, we all know what Emmanuel means, right? So what is Emmanuel? God with us. Right, God is with us. God has come to be with us. And you know, as um, these past few weeks have been going on, I've been reflecting on the past few sermons. I can't help but to think about this entire story that you read in the Bible, the story of, of Israel, the laws, the prophecies about Jesus, and other prophetic words given to us in the Word. You know, I can't help but think about it that all of it, it's about many things throughout the Scripture, but one of the things is that God desires to be with us right from the very beginning that as man and God have been separated, that God has been trying to get back with us. And that is Emmanuel, God with us. And I wonder if any of you have ever taken a moment to just think about what that means. What would it mean that God would be with us? My prayer for us this morning is that we would see the fullness of what God has done in sending his son to us, and that we would respond in joy and in gratitude, because church, there's so much more to Christmas than just a manger. But the truth is, without the manger, there's nothing left. And so this morning, we're going to be reading from a text that gives us a glimpse into our joy and hope that awaits us, where everything will be as it's meant to be, even us. So I want us to turn to Revelation 21. And we're going to be in the first few verses as we end our series on Emmanuel. If you want to follow along, then I saw a new heaven. and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come before you now as we hear your word. I pray that your word would go forth and not return void. Lord, for your word goes out and it accomplishes everything that you desire for it to accomplish. And so, Lord, I pray that your word would go forth this morning and that we would know the truth behind your coming as a baby to us. So, Lord, be with us this morning. We ask all of these things in your name. Amen. See, our text comes to us in a pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting to be preached on on Christmas Eve, isn't it? I mean, we're supposed to be in a text hearing about a cute baby born in a manger where there's angels and shepherds and these magi coming from the east, not, not focusing on the end of time. But if you bear with me a moment, if we look back on the, the history of the church, there's this wonderful tradition of Advent having a twofold focus. See, we edit, meditate as a church ultimately on two Advents. See, there's the one that happened 2,000 years ago when the God man emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man, as we read in Philippians 2. That's the incarnation the crux of our faith this this is the cute baby born in a manger this is the god of the universe in miniature form but then there's the advent to come the one that we wait for our blessed hope when the god man won't return in a manger but we re- will return as a king in glory in power to vindicate his people to rid the world of all evil and to forever establish his rule and reign. These are the two advents. The latter is dependent upon the former because the recreating work of God is brought through the death of the Son. The second advent is purchased by the blood of the first. The first is him in suffering, but the second is him in triumph. See, we started the series a few weeks ago in Genesis 3 when God and and man became separated due to the rebellion of our first parents, Adam and Eve, due to their temptation to, to desire to usurp God and become like Him in their own right, independent from Him, not dependent upon Him. But God showed us even in the very beginning that this is not how it would always be. Even in the very beginning, He gives us good news. See, he tells the serpent that there will be a seed that will come from the woman to defeat him. An offspring that says it will crush his head, even though he will bruise his heel. But then in our next sermon, Matt told us that this seed isn't just going to be born of a woman, it will be born of a virgin but will be God with us, Emmanuel. See, the head-crushing seed is none other than God himself, the only one who's up to the task and can complete this task. And last week, we looked at John chapter 1, where we saw the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, the Emmanuel has come, The seed to crush the serpent's head. His advent is here. Brothers and sisters, what God begins, He will bring to completion. It's in Christ's earthly life, death, and resurrection that He has defeated sin in the grave. But we know that this this isn't the end, right? This is not all that there is. Because we're still here, there's still suffering. We still endure hardship. They're still striving. You know, theologians, they they call this the already but not yet. That we have the forgiveness of sins. Satan and the grave have no power over us anymore. But yet their effects are still felt in us and around us, sometimes through us. We still experience tears and mourning, and the ruin of our enemies has not yet fully occurred. It's that all of this has been purchased on the cross, but Christ has not come to claim it yet. This is why everything hinges on the cross of Jesus. See, all of history points to the work of cross, both leading up to the cross, but everything that flows from it. A helpful illustration that I like to look at if we look at history is like a bow tie, just to be classy, all right? Where the knot in the middle is Christ's finished work on the cross, and the flow of time is the rest of the bow tie. That all of that was happening in the Old Testament in Israel before the cross was just waiting and anticipating, foreshadowing, and looking to the cross, as we see in Genesis 3, the offspring that will come in Isaiah 7, Emmanuel. And then after the cross, all that's supposed to be happening now in the church and for the rest of eternity into the new Jerusalem celebrates and rejoices as it looks back to the cross and the victory that was accomplished at it. All of time turns on the axis of Christ's atoning work and victory over the powers and the principalities. You know, all of this from a baby, right? A child born for us, to die for us, to be resurrected for us, and who will return for us, right? And our text this morning shows us the true end that all creation awaits. If we turn the page Earlier, to chapter 20, begins chapter 21 for us. But if we look in chapter 20, we have the final destruction of our enemies. Satan, the serpent introduced in Genesis 3, he's finally met his end. He no longer can prowl around like a roaring lion, as First Peter tells us. But we also have death meeting its demise, the last enemy of the people of God. So, with Satan, death, and Hades finally taken care of, we can turn the page to chapter 21. And in chapter 21, we see John says, I saw. He turns and he looks. The phrase I saw is a common phrase used by John. It actually appears a lot throughout the entire book. It also says, I heard or I looked. Seeing and hearing are huge themes within Revelation. So here John looks and he sees recreation coming into its fulfillment. The text tells us that in order for the new to come, the old must pass away because the old is not sufficient to hold the perfected eternal kingdom. And it tells us that the sea was no more. It's kind of a weird phrase for John to just slow in there, throw in there, isn't it? I can understand the, the new coming and the old going away, but what is, what is the sea? Does it mean that the seas will all dry up when the new earth comes? that we'll have no more oceans. I don't think that that's what it means. We have to know what the Bible means when we read sea. Throughout the Old Testament, evil and chaos are regularly associated with the seas. Raging nations are likened to raging seas. Yahweh is praised for ruling over the seas. We see that in the Psalms. And at the dawn of creation, the Spirit hovers Over the waters. And this is not the oceans, it's chaos. And here, the sea is no more, meaning that all evil and chaos have been put to rest. Reminding us of Genesis 1 as God takes chaos, the waters, and subdues it and puts it to right order. See, this is God recreating in Revelation 21. recreating. It's what the Son came to do. To bring about new creation. And with all evil set aside and chaos subdued, can you imagine, just for a moment, what it would look like for that to be our reality? And So the litany of the last number of verses spanning these two chapters, seeing Satan, death, Hades, all evil and chaos being brought to an end, now that all of the enemies of humanity and of God are defeated and put to rest, now comes the beautiful city. See, this is the final residence of redeemed humanity, which is the church, because it's adorned as a bride for her husband. See, having this future reality revealed to John implies a sort of mission for those a part of the church. What I mean by this is that throughout the Old Testament you have people who have patterns revealed to them in heaven and they hand down that pattern to the people to build. See, there's Moses who's given the pattern for the tabernacle to be built here on earth. David receives the pattern of the temple that he passes on to Solomon to build. And so now John He receives the pattern of the church which is given to us. Brothers and sisters, we are citizens of that city now, but are called to build and to work, to see her grow and become more beautiful until the end of all things. See, God starts with a garden, but then he ends with a city, a garden city, and as people are called to tend the garden, that's the, the command that's given to Adam and Eve in the first pages of the Bible, to go and to work and to till and to keep and to protect the garden, to make the rest of the world look like the garden till one day it becomes a flourishing city. That command has not gone away. <laughs> because as we beautify and build the church the heavenly city that resurrects the cities of mankind. The church gathered here now becomes so much more important as we hear the word and partake of the table. See, word and sacrament come together. We are that city now. This is the the culmination of that city is us gathering here on Sunday mornings. It's not in its final state but together we labor and we pray until the end. The Church, I hope this changes how we see gathering with the body on Sundays and why we do it. This is the vision for the church, that we would become the beautiful bride of Christ. So this beautiful city, the new Jerusalem, comes and then God from his throne He makes his declaration, the one that he's desired to make from the very beginning. That the dwelling place of God is with man. See, the thread of the entire Bible that we've traced over these last few weeks comes to an end here. This is Emmanuel. Not just that God would be present with us in spirit, although that would be enough for us, wouldn't it? but that God, that he would dwell in body and in spirit with us, that he would be Emmanuel forever. He will be with us just as he was with Adam and Eve in the garden, but it will be better than that because the people of God have grown at this point into full maturity, into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ as Ephesians laid out for us. What does this dwelling look like? What does it look like that God would be with us forever? It says in verse 4 that He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. You know, God's reign doesn't look like any rain I've seen or heard of. It's not like the kings of the earth who rule solely based on their self-interest and ego. But you know, we live in a day and age where tears are too frequent. Mourning is too difficult and pain is all too real for us, isn't it? We just take a second and we look around at the world. No one agrees on anything. Everyone does what they see fit regardless of the pain that it causes Others. We have left against right, brother against father, wars in the Middle East, wars in Europe. See, children suffer an injustice all around us. But, beloved, what I see is too much chaos. But the good news Matt showed us last week that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We have a king who will bring all darkness and evil to an end. In Psalm 56, this is one of my favorite psalms to read when I feel afraid or I'm overwhelmed. It's a psalm of David. He was a man that was acquainted with darkness in this world, wasn't he? He says... When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. And he reveals why he can put his trust in him. As he says later, You have kept count of my tossings. You have put my tears in a bottle. Are they not in your book? I think the greatest comfort <clears throat> is knowing that someone else walks with you in your burden. That all of those tears he knows All of your pain, He knows, and He's taking it on and so much more. See, He's dealt with this, all of it on the cross. And one day, it will be completely gone. You know, as I think about tears and about heartache, a couple years ago, I received a text message that nobody really wants to receive. I had a a student I had been mentoring for a couple of years. We'd been meeting every week, every other week, for, for two years, a year and a half at this point. And he had been struggling with school, with faith, he was on academic probation. He was afraid of what, what would happen. He was struggling with just the things of life, you know, the burdens of being an independent person. But this really weighed on him. And after a while, he'd stopped coming to our meetings. He'd stopped returning my text messages. So I asked my staff, he was in his dorm, in a dorm complex, and I asked him, hey, can you stop by and check on him? Because I haven't heard from him in a few weeks. And so he went and he talked with him, and then he, my staff gave me a phone call, and he says, hey, he's not doing well. And I told him to call you. The student said he wanted to take a nap, so he'd call me after his nap. But he never did. And around 7.30 in the evening, I received a text that basically told me that he wanted to commit suicide. And he was at a nearby lake. So my staff and I got in in our car, and we hightailed it five minutes out of the city to this small lake. We got there, and we waited. We walked through the woods about 10, 15 minutes, crawling over logs, through the trees, and finally we found him. And he was standing in the water about 20 feet offshore, in the rocks, with the water up to about his knees. And the first words out of his mouth was, tell me one reason why I shouldn't do it. You know, there are moments in your life where you feel invincible. (laughs) You feel confident that you could take on the world. I've had many of those moments in my life. I was a young man once. But let me tell you, this was not a moment that I felt like that. I was afraid. I was scared. It was, I was not adequate for the task. I saw chaos in the tears and the pain up close and personal in my face. And I pleaded with him for what felt like a lifetime. I don't know what I said, but I probably told him that he's held by the Savior even now, that Jesus knows his pain and stands with him. I told him how much we cared for him how much he has a family that loves him and wants to surround him. We all just need to hear that from time to time, don't we? It was a back and forth. I told him that you can fail every day of your life, but God will never leave you nor forsake you. That you could feel like you're at your end, but know that God holds you. And praise God, he came back to shore. And we cried, and I held him. And a couple days, he went home to be with his parents. And I talked to him from time to time. We text back and forth, we'll do phone calls, and he's doing great. Praise God, the Lord has completely changed his life. And now it's not darkness, but light that he sees. He has hope. And he looks and he wants to serve. And he wants to help those who are, who are the least of these. And he wants to be plugged in and helping people all around him. And he wants to serve God. Praise God for that. This is impossible without the truth that God is with us. That he is with us in our darkest moments. But he's also there in our greatest moments too. See, I look at this story not through the lens of darkness but through the lens of light because this is a glimpse of the wiping of the tears that Jesus will one day bring. That he can take our pain and our hurts. Even here on earth, we can see a part of our suffering removed. Even just a piece. In church, we have the joy Of knowing Christ and what He's done for us, and the promise of what He will return to do for us. We have comfort knowing that Jesus knows our pain. He's experienced our pain and so much more. And not just that He sympathizes with us, but that He has the solution for us. It's right here. Church, there will be no more pain because he came as the light, as Emmanuel, to be one of us, to show us the way out. And here we see the true light coming into full view where all that was promised will culminate and we won't have to walk with the weight and burden of loss and pain and chaos anymore. Church, this is Emmanuel forever. This is the baby born in a manger, a baby who became a man of sorrows who would suffer for us, but is the king who will return to make all things new. See, he will write injustice, he will heal all suffering and pain, and our response will be to rejoice because we no longer have to endure anymore. Church, this is why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Jesus. The incarnation means so much more than just tender, mild baby. It's our salvation. It's our victory. It's our blessed hope. But because we know how He will bring a true end to suffering, this means that we are to build and to image what will come into fullness later and imperfectly I have to say, none of us are perfect, even myself. We've made mistakes. We've made mistakes as a church. We have to own those mistakes. We can't just ignore them. We have to understand that we're not perfect, but we repent of that and we acknowledge that where we've been wrong and we move forward righting those wrongs. And we move forward and we lift burdens. We care for the least of these and proclaim the good news of what God has done in Christ in all things. The truth of Christmas should lead us to pray and to labor for the bride of Christ to be made ready. We don't just sit back. We don't just eat our Cheetos and wait on the couch until we get taken away. We partner with Christ and we participate in the life of the church. We serve. And we follow Jesus even when it's difficult. See, there are plenty of ways to serve and to participate within the broader church in preparing her. We partner with missions organizations that help the poor and the homeless. We partner with those who help women going through pregnancy alone. How are ways we can get involved? We see that where there is wrong or injustice and we upend our own comfort in order to stand with those affected. And in all circumstances, we tell of the hope that we have in Jesus, that all who belong to Him can rejoice that one day He will return and be established as King forever. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why we as Christians can't wait till December 25th not just because of gifts, although that's a wonderful piece of the celebration, but because our hope was born this day that we may never forget the joy of knowing our salvation draws near. And I hope, my prayer is that this radically changes how we see Christmas. That as we meditate and we think about what Christ has done, that it will draw our eyes to see and our hearts to leap for joy at what he's still going to do. Now maybe we might catch a glimpse, a glimpse of the new creation, even now. And so as we wake up tomorrow and open gifts, take time not just to be thankful for those gifts, although you should, but to be thankful for the ultimate gift giver. Because it's in him we have received the greatest gift. A king who leads us out of the darkness. Who brings an end to our suffering and ends the tyranny of the night. So church, let's celebrate the promise born tonight of Emmanuel forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Son. That You have given Him to us. And that one day He will return. And we will rejoice. And Lord, we even rejoice now, knowing that You have purchased that for us. Lord, we ask that You would help us to celebrate this season, that we would see the true light that has come that we would see You as the answer to everything. Lord, we just pray that we would carry that hope with us wherever we go, no matter the circumstance, no matter the trial, that we would know that You came for us, that You draw near to us, and that in our pain, You are with us in pain. One day You'll rid us of all pain. So Lord, we turn to You this morning. We pray that Your kingdom come. Amen.